everybody and welcome here we got kevin reitzel welcome <laughs> thank you we appreciate it cam uh thank you for having us here talking some highlander anytime bigly fillings and, and did i pronounce that right I oh not even not. close uh fillings no. but nobody fillings. gets it right half the time i get it wrong big bigly fillings this close enough <laughs> fillingsness yeah it took me a while fillingsness <laughs> ah, the surnames. Um, i just call him bigly <laughs> i'm your host cam and here we are we, we're revisiting again the one the only fantasy saga that is highlander but we've reviewed all the movies and so has kevin and company so if we're going to revisit this you know they kind of started it off the best foes on Blood of the Kings. And I said, hey, you know, we're already re-examining these franchises. We got to talk about the big antagonists that were so sharply written. No pun. And very... Yeah, see what you did there? Yep, I couldn't <laughs> help it. <laughs> Just the ones that re-illustrated why these showrunners actually fell in love with their fictional world and made one hell of a epic. So, uh, so before we begin... Uh, you know, you guys are already just big movie buffs, love the art of everything, just from production design to fight choreography to uh, subtext and acting. Uh, what, what what do you mainly look for in a good antagonist besides just, you know, them having a, you know, tragic backstory that leads to vengeance and inevitably they end up on the wrong side that they think is the right side uh but what but what what overall just really gets you that just makes you go man that's just a kick-ass just plot twist these guys actually tried instead of just having a fancy actor play to the camera you know that's a good point i'll let lee uh touch yeah. on the uh um the fighting side of it because We've had a lot of good villains that uh, are good good with that, and in Highlander specifically. Uh, it's someone who, for me personally, when it comes to a villain, someone that you sympathize with, not just, you know, twirling mustache style, but someone that actually makes sense, someone that can you know you know say that's why a lot of people were like maybe thanos was right that type of thing you know, <laughs> right. uh, you know it, maybe it's, Darth vader's not too bad <laughs> and, it, and even if they are a little crazy and unhinged and maybe if you don't agree with them something that makes them charming and let and kind of draws you in a little bit and i, I gotta start with the kurgan first and foremost because my my uh my now wife um for uh right before i met her she got to meet clancy brown at the highlander <laughs> uh four 4k 30th anniversary in edinburgh scotland and she has a big sleeve tattoo of the kurgan you know and i've heard this from other ladies that uh, there's something about the kurgan that's hot you know so there's that <laughs> but when you can come in and just really nail it not just by looks, but by charisma uh, and really kind of stand out. I think that's a really, really important uh, villain aspect. What about you, Lee? Uh, <clears throat> definitely. Uh, it's always good to have the charisma. It's always good to have style. Uh, I really do like a villain that is an actual threat to the uh, main character. Um, the, those of you just uh, tuning in, I actually am an actor. Um, I play almost uh, all villains. Uh, because I am a six foot seven, two hundred and eighty pound monstrosity with more black belts than the J.C. Penney men's department. Uh, so <laughs> I get to play a lot of these um, villainous characters, and, um, and yeah, well, it's fun if you get to fight. Uh, if you get to like actually kind of have some fun instead of uh, kind of get kicked around by the bad guy, you know, because or by getting kicked around by the good guy because the good guy is supposed to win. Uh, I really right. do like it when the bad guy is a threat to the good guy. Um, and I really, I prefer a bad guy who has the, lack of a better term, the strength of his convictions. Um, I don't like a bad guy that is the victim of circumstance. I don't like a bad guy that uh, is misunderstood or that has a redemption arc. I think that uh, occasionally that can be very useful, but it's boring now. It's overused. Yeah. Especially when that, that bad guy becomes the good guy um looking at marvel <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say marvel hello yeah like uh well, no, hey, Winter Soldier point, and, yeah. it's kind of like how they oversaturate music or even nowadays with revenge movies like how, how longer can we tolerate even you know the john wick taken formula you know before it gets old so it's and it's a good point you know it's like there's so many movies that are popular but you take one detail away and 
you lose the suspense or you don't really feel like the near unstoppable hero you know has much opposition you know <laughs> and yeah. you know everything's fallen victim to it there's been some arnold doll for keanu movies where we've seen and we've been like yeah but they didn't have a good hero to play or again you know i i other than the action there wasn't anything to make me say hey you know they they had a very unstoppable force to go against and you know sometimes you get that with even other franchises there, there's going to be some dc marvel or even a star trek where you're just like yeah what were they thinking that villain was kind of lame <laughs> so, well, with, got... with marvel especially you know not to get too far off track but all of the good fights every great fight in marvel is between good guys yes yeah. uh really the only standout from that that uh where the character stays a bad guy through his entire arc is the final fight against thanos uh, and it's there the only truly memorable fight against Thanos because you have, you know, kind of the Hulk getting uh, smacked around like a rag doll. And then you have whatever happened in Wakanda, which was boring, to be honest. And then you have that epic smackdown uh, where he's got the helicopter blade uh, and he's just fighting against uh, Thor, Captain America and Iron Man. That was a good fight. That's the only good bad guy fight that uh, Marvel ever did. Uh, the rest of the time, you know, as great as Loki was, every fight he had was, it looked like, you know, my nephews uh, trying to look cool, uh, <laughs> which my nephews are cool, but not that cool. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, I like the Doctor Strange movies, but the opening fight where he's practicing just total botched shaky cam. And I'm just like, well, well that clearly was not shot by the same unit. <laughs> You're yeah. just like, so it's very frustrating when, like you say, it just feels like. It was a last minute thought. <laughs> what, yeah. You know, to to bring it back to the, the Highlander TV series, what Lee and I have discussed plenty of times is how creative they did get with the villains. What you know, what what their their yep. their purpose was, uh, you know, some of them were, you know, more interesting than others. We had some really good fight scenes in some of them, some of them not so much. <laughs> some of them had some of them had to be creative because maybe they weren't big enough or tall enough or strong mm -hmm. enough you know kenny for example you know 800 year old kid uh you know and when we did when we did a podcast on bloody <laughs> when we did a podcast on bloody kings for uh duncan's deadliest immortal opponents uh you know we also talked about the movies as well it brought those in there but uh it was interesting to see a lot of the bloody kings um fans uh get give their take on that and very descriptive on why you know, people felt strongly about certain characters and it wasn't always the strongest or, you know, the meanest or whatever, but uh, it was interesting to see the dichotomy between the villains. I mean, Lee, you yourself, uh, you remember that episode and that how you, you, you had some interesting takes on why you like certain ones and why you didn't like certain ones. Yeah, we did have, uh, you know, there are kind of the classic ones. I mean, we had a couple like just walk in like, okay, yeah, these guys are obviously the winners. Um, <laughs> But it was. Um... By the way, can I mention the winners? I have that list right here. Sure. The, yeah. the, the four Hall of Fame walk-in villains were Grayson, Kinsone, Kalis, and Xavier Saint Cloud. Kalis is, so is is Star Trek Kevin. Callus Sorry, Kalis. 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 Damn it! Yeah. Damn it! You oh. caught me on that one. It's Kalis. Your Callus. ancestors are yeah. ashamed. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, he he's freaky. <laughs> Yeah, and they were just, you know, the ones like, okay, there's no question that these are great bad guys. Um, and, you know, it was a combination of the swordsmanship. It was a combination, you know, in all of their cases, you know, they kind of met my standard because they weren't trying to be good guys. They didn't need any redemption. They didn't feel bad about what they did. They were bad guys. Uh, and exactly. they were, you know... A couple of them, you know, maybe a step or two away from twirling the mustache. Uh, but really, it was just good storytelling and great fights. That's what I really loved about him. Oh, totally. And to see him, you know, kill Fitz, so your root first come up and, and then, mm -hmm. you know, Amanda, you know, has to fight him. It's just all kinds of just, it's just a fun, serialized, you know, two-part thing. And you just feel him looming over everybody, even, you know, when they finally take his head, you know. Lee, do you remember what your number one pick was? 
Oh yeah, it was. Um, I always forget his name. The weird uh, looking redheaded dude. Um, Stephen King. Stephen King. Yes. Yeah. Because um, again, not only did he believe that he was right, the audience kind of believed he was too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those things that kind of flipped the script on. Uh, you know, all the ways that we kind of justify Duncan getting revenge uh, throughout the show. Like, this is a guy that <laughs> deserves the kind of revenge Duncan went for. Um, and him not getting it was an interesting moral choice. Um, and I thought that was uh, really cool. Uh, some great fights. Uh, really getting back to uh, kind of the Bob Anderson style uh, yeah. from uh, season one, which uh, I am, uh, Kevin's probably tired of me saying it, but I am probably season one is my favorite even though like everything kind of gets better they were swinging so hard in season one that it's hard not to love it i have oh, yeah. to give you, i have to give you props though lee and cam he made a good point it has a season one had a different visual aspect to it too thomas j wright of future millennium and criminal minds fame directed a good yeah. chunk of episodes. yeah yeah <laughs> uh my number one by the way was james horton and uh mm -hmm. he's not an immortal but boy was he bad for immortals especially duncan's so, he yeah. feels bigger than life with all the various psychological you know torment yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hallucinations and just the other people he has is just almost kind of Imagine how he'd be in today's world now. He is just like, oh my God. he'd probably be wrecking <laughs> havoc at every protest. It's like he's that kind of diabolical guy, you know. Just, he would be he would be the total cyber criminal too. He would be on top of all cyber of, criminal, yeah. the typical yeah. terrorist who has yeah. you know, no double standard. He would be the first yeah. one on TikTok just bringing down any immortal or Duncans he could through TikTok. He would, <laughs> he he would, like yeah. He would decimate Twitter from Elon Musk and then not yeah. even know what to do with it. He'd be just laying destruction. Just the, that's he, what you got to like about more times. Um, there you go. He's yeah. Dr. Strangelove in a way. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> with, with the hunters, he's just, it's just so cool how, you know, they, they have, you know, just everything that the watchers don't have. And then just, they just keep going like yeah. that, that <laughs> to them, they want to hunt just for the hell of hunting. And they just consider everyone just lesser than them. It's just all just intriguing. Yeah. And just hiring just all these other people to impersonate their fallen comrades. It's like, man, how sick do you got to be? <laughs> yeah. Well, and bringing uh, Alexander Vandernew back was I've, from a fan's point, that was a really cool thing, but like that was dark. And like the, mm -hmm. the amount of psychological trauma that has to bring. It's just crazy. Oh, totally. I, I can't imagine. I, I'd be like, oh, you uh, you did not go there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kudos to Andrew DeVoff for playing two diabolical villains on here. Not just one, <clears throat> two. Yep. <laughs> I had the fortune of talking to him a year ago. He's been very supportive of his, his fan base because, you know, he's been in everything. Air Force One, the Wishmaster horror comedies and plenty of other Toy, so Toy Soldiers. He was Toy a lead soldiers, terrorist. Yes. Yeah. And so it's so funny. I think you guys mentioned it is that when he's playing the guy who takes over a courtroom, it's yep. pretty much still in toy soldiers mode. But then when yeah. he gets to the. Yeah, it was like probably I think it was like around the same year he played those. Did had both to be. Roles. <laughs> it was like the first time they did the dog day afternoon diehard formula on that show. Yeah. And it's but it is fun how, uh, you know, when he returned to the show. He probably did his best part, and you know it made that. Oh, seamless. Andrew Lorca was even scarier, if you ask me. Especially when you have that cult mentality leader. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I always and to tell people not I'm not wrong, Dobby. and I can do whatever you want. And if you go against me, then you know yeah. I'm damning you while you kill me. It's just like it's just amazing how you can use religion, just brainwash people, and then go even further. Just like, just like you're worthless what? if you do anything. You get nothing, but you know I'm not wrong. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> Lee, what did, what did you call him? Uh, my nickname for uh, Andrew Devoff is not Robert Davi, because <laughs> he looks enough like Robert Davi that you have to be like, okay, really? is that him or not? <laughs> I never got that. That's why. Yeah, if you look at yeah during the, those I younger think years, Special it, Agent Johnson is too busy blowing <laughs> 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 up a building before. Oh man. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, well, who would you say has probably a cool like fight with the rest of them? 
I mean, the top fight uh, really I mean, has obviously to go to the Duende. <laughs> oh, Duende. Uh, yeah. Um, one of the more intricate, one of the, uh, at the time, very unique. Nobody had put that to screen yet. Um, and it was uh, really a culmination of a lot of stuff that Adrian had been doing on the side, of stuff that Anthony had been studying on the side. Uh, actually put out um, a kind of a... Uh, a VHS tape uh, series on how to do a uh, mysterious circle um, in concert with kind of the still ranking master, a guy named Ramon Martinez uh, uh, in teaching uh, the Destreza and the mysterious circle, uh, which I still have on VHS. And I kind of <laughs> bragged to, to Anthony, like this is no longer been a fan of yours, but uh, it's uh, that one just kind of stands out uh, as one of the better fights Uh any of the fights really with Dustin Nguyen uh, were really good. We actually did a tribute episode to him. He was uh, yet another guy that played two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, 21 yeah. Judge Street. Yep. Yep. And uh, currently uh, on Warrior, which is also a fantastic show. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, I'm glad to see he's finally getting recognized and doing a little bit more. He hasn't had that kind of steady um, work in kind of the American market for a while. But, uh, you know, I think those were really good. Uh, but you just see a lot of uh, the more Adrian learned, the better the rest of the villains had to be to be kind of a challenge for him. So they'd start bringing in the Anthony DeLongis's instead of, you know, some guy. Uh, and it uh, started to level up, you know, once they go over to Europe. Um, acting training in the States, it's changing a little bit now, but doesn't involve a lot of fighting. Uh, you exactly. might do a semester of stage combat, uh, which is... Uh, really so that you have it in your tool belt. You don't really uh, study it. Most, uh, we call, we're called actor combatants. Most of those guys go to just be the combatants and then eventually choreographers. <laughs> Whereas in Europe, if you train, you learn how to uh, do all this stage stuff. You, you learn because you're doing Shakespeare. You're not doing Tennessee Williams. So right. you'll have like all this sword trick. <laughs> the difference. Yeah. We're not here for tea and talking about abuse. We're here to talk yeah. about royal deceit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever is rotten in the state of Denmark at the moment. Right. This I, kingdom uh... shall be mine. At dusk. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I had some, uh, I'm not a fight expert like uh, Lee is, but there's, there was three villains in the TV series that I liked. And that was the Anthony Galen fight uh, with Rowdy Roddy Piper at the, uh, um, the uh, <laughs> yes. amusement park. Uh, I liked the Michael Kent one, especially with the, the catching the sword and uh, the cool uh, decapitation there. And I liked the Harris clay one too, because Duncan had a special emotional, uh, uh, stakes to that one because he was shamed by him uh, while he killed his mentor in front of him, mm-hmm. and, and I, I always thought that was a good a good one for the TV series. Uh, I always enjoyed the opening fight scene of the original Highlander too. Uh, I always thought that was kind of cool. You're like, just, who is this guy in the parking lot stalking yeah, our hero? Yeah, and yeah, whoa, yeah. It, he the, just the bat, vanished. The, <laughs> like, fans always said the back bat flip, the back flips by Amon Fazil never made sense. It looks cool though, but you know, I just thought it was. Uh, Peter Diamond was uh, the villain uh, mm-hmm. playing him. In, in Good old Star Wars, a lot of Star Wars and James Bond stuntman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, for me, that's just uh, it's just one of the, the more iconic fight scenes for me personally. I, well, I think that, probably um, the best fight scene in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I do have a soft spot for when he takes down that one Nazi guy and the Nazi has like the total like holy shit moment. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Indiana <laughs> Jones moment where he's like, oh boy, let's get yeah. it. Uh, but... Whatever you say, Jack, you're the master race. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind of magic moment. Yeah. It's a kind of magic. Uh, uh, to build on the parking lot, that's what I like even more. I think it's season two or three. We get to uh, Peter Outerbridge, who's been in numerous things, Designated Survivor, Nikita, The Expanse. And I love how he played a similar character who kind of stalks Duncan in the parking lot. And to him, he just can't let go of the game. He's getting what, what character? Where character was that? Uh, it's the character. And sorry, I don't remember everybody's name. Um, uh, uh, but. Peter Outerbridge played one Highlander character, and he's another one. He's been at this misbehaving. He Paul Kinman. Oh, Paul Kinman. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, season four. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's just right. Being this assassin, he came back to life, and now he just wants to kill for the hell. Reluctant of it, but... heroes, I think, was the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and I mean, he and even the other guy who's going around making his murders look look like a vampire, and some of the other guys who just had unusual quirks to them. I just I really dug because it kept it fresh and new, kind of like a good on any of the other shows we mentioned where we're actually trying to see if they, you know, like how they got here, if they can handle it. And uh, even the Richard Lynch character, who's playing like a former warlord, who's like wronged uh. Uh, Duncan multiple times. And then finally Duncan's kind of like with even the white supremacists when they're at the alternate timeline of uh, guys who, uh, you know, escaped uh uh the hitler assassination it's just always intriguing how all these guys ultimately test duncan and everybody and like if we kill them unfortunately we end up being just as bad as them yeah <laughs> yeah it's you such know, a painstaking mission because there's no positive outcome <laughs> i did find uh probably i didn't put it up there on my best villains because the episode wasn't executed as well but lord byron what a fascinating idea it was to bring Byron and Shelley into that uh, conversation. Uh, episode, or season five, uh, somewhere around episode 17 or 18, I think. Um, uh, the rock star? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the poet, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, she walks in beauty like the night of uh, starry climbs and highest heights and all this best of dark and light is in her aspect in her eyes. Like, it, you know, he's that that poem that you quote to girls when you're trying to get laid in college <laughs> you know uh, but like also you know you go to uh you know byron's grave and it's you know people are still leaving stuff at it um and you know the connection to uh frankenstein and to you know the origin of uh literally of science fiction and you just have this uh you know kind of amazing character and like he's truly dead inside yeah. you know and he's trying to remember life <laughs> and he's like trying to see it and it was just a, a fascinating uh way to do it but you know again like these crazy uh inspirations and again they had to bring in a really good swordsman for that episode they had uh <laughs> f braun mcash uh playing uh you know the other bad guy that uh uh byron fights at the uh in the flashback nice <laughs> you know, when we were talking about the villains in the movies, one of my biggest pet peeves was <clears throat> now I'm one of the people that actually enjoy Highlander too. I have there's right. many reasons. And you guys why did like a good it. job just finding just some better, you know. I mean, you've talked about the how some people are even trying to combine all three cuts, but it is Yeah, really yeah. No, I, I, I like the special edition with the additional scenes uh, and the, the removal of Zeiss, but uh, uh, Michael Ironside, who I love. Uh, he's, Katana, baby. Yeah. yeah, but my problem with Katana is he's ne he never killed an immortal. He only killed mortals. And uh, he yeah. was great as a villain acting villain, but to me it was too much of kind of a Kurgan wannabe. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's, you know, he's admitted to just, you know, he didn't really care. He just did it for the paycheck and he's just went overboard with it's it. It's such a shame because, you know, you would like <laughs> to think that movies and shows can get to where, you know, they just, they don't have to have the, allow these investment companies to cut all the good yeah. scenes out, you know? And yeah. it's just even more mind numbing how you would think, you know, why not have exposition at the beginning, you know, with all the different, you know, re-edits, you would think it would be a wonderful idea to just do just that. Just yeah. uh, have some exposition at the beginning saying, hey, here's the game. It's changing, yada, yada. And by the way, you know, they're brothers. This is really why he wants to kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's how I was with Mario Van Peebles because, again, another beyond talented actor. He's really good in Gunman with Chris Lambert, but it's another. That's a fun is. movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gunman. Love and Gunman. That's why I like how you guys, too, have also done all these different movies. You're like, this could have been a Highlander sequel. Oh, <laughs> uh, The Hunted. Yeah. We did The Hunted uh, movie. Oh, yeah. With Chris Lambert. That could have been a Highlander movie right the there. Samurai <laughs> Yakuza. Come on. Yeah. yeah. You that would have been, been a better Highlander three than Highlander three was. That's for yes, sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I I refuse to rewatch Highlander three. I'm with you guys. There's just something just very <laughs> annoying about it, and it is one of those where you're just like, still, you know, like this villain was there and the actor was giving his all, but they they really screwed him over by keeping it ambiguous. It's just like Katana kind of gets away with being over the top, but unfortunately, ultimately, not a good story. 
with him though is like there was no reason to be that silly it's just like that he's a wizard there's some magic to explore here (laughs) yeah and all you do is just have him go around picking on homeless people and it's like well that doesn't do anything (laughs) (laughs) uh uh but yeah we we gotta talk about katana and obviously you know the kurganones because uh you know it when they're killed on the same battlefield he just keeps wanting to continue the fight it's all over they do a good job showing the battle lust and Mm -hmm. i feel like they did something similar with kel i know everyone's got issues with in-game but i mean i still gotta i still gotta applaud applaud them for just casting uh you know 90s favorite uh bruce payne Well, I like Bruce. Bruce has always been cool. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how they dove into like the kill count type of thing with that and <laughs> yes. how that that made a, a difference. And I didn't have a problem with that. I, you know, it was interesting. And, in that you know, it really kind of lets you know that the more you kill, the more powerful that you get. Uh, we just kind of wanted a little more out of his cronies, you know, especially, you know, Jin K you know who and... should have been the main bad guy that would have been the better final fight yes uh, by far oh, wait, 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 which donnie one? yen man come on you get donnie oh, yeah. yen yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i mean you know. oh i do like him in that I, i'm just glad they got to be part in one of those movies just because yeah. you know just it's already a complex franchise as it is <laughs> you yeah. could have gone so many different ways but yeah, I uh, I really did enjoy uh, three and four were the only ones I ever got to see in the theater. So they, the others were out long before, but like I dr- drove four hours to see number four in the theaters with uh, all my buddies from high school. And uh, we kind of walked out and we we're like, yeah, that was awesome. There's a lot of sword fights and nudity. Yay. But, because uh, <laughs> you know, this was 20 plus years ago. I'm definitely not that. Ex- Wait, yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> but it was... Uh, just seeing the uh everybody kind of back there was a lot of fun but it the the kill count thing you know we kind of talked about it when we did our review of it um a few years ago it's like okay duncan killed two of the oldest immortals or multiple of the oldest immortals that ever lived you know has survived these prophecies has done all these crazy things like there's not you know this guy having killed like a few others it's it's sort of like uh you know those guys that uh you know play mmorpgs and just like build up points by like mining turnips in the forest and <laughs> it's like oh yeah you didn't actually do anything but you got the these uh all these hp or whatever and now you got uh big you didn't actually learn how to do the fight uh exactly. you know duncan was there in the fight doing the crazy stuff and you know i there there was never a setup where kel was good enough to win Jin K definitely. Yeah. Uh Jin K had honor too, you know. Felt like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh that's just it. They were just trying to show, you know, they could have done it better, but I I, yeah. I get it. They were just trying to show one of them's dishonorable and the others. Oh yeah. And a shout out to my buddy Ian who played Cracker Bob. Man, he should have had a sword. A bat with a bat with spikes. Come on, man. <laughs> it's a club sandwich. <laughs> 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 love my brother uh i guess we gotta talk about um god one, one of the other main ones uh how about the millionaires who were doing their own like kidnapping people and hunting them for sport in, like one of the later seasons oh in uh dark tower oh that god, might be right. it one of the like yeah. or hated episodes i'm just i just thought the purpose was cool <laughs> Oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, you kind of get into old uh, literature there again with the dangerous game, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Um, a little bit of a prequel kind of to Cube and to uh, later Thank Resident you. Evil. You kind of That was have, Devin uh, Merrick. Is that who that was? Sounds right. Yeah, I believe so. I don't. Yeah, most yeah, of you... season six is so forgettable to me. Yeah. Yeah. There was Devin Ouch. Merrick, Devin Merrick and Black Tower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what about uh the thief who was uh kidnapping on the raven uh played by carlo rota oh god i forget that guy i'm sorry yeah wow yeah hold that which one uh mario cardosa the full disclosure episode 
I, I have to admit it's been so long since I've seen that one. I don't really remember it. That's all good. I just I, remember Alex Raven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the best there's plenty of other ever. ones there too. Yeah. I yeah. most of them are basically James Bond Nikita type villains, but I just Yes. Yeah. I just have fun seeing them just kind of get a snappy one liner in before they're come up and so Well, and I think uh you know, once in in the Raven, once they got to Paris, it's kind of like um, Highlander or the original Highlander series. Uh, the they started to have a good season. Uh, the first half uh, was choppy at best. You know, they're trying to establish what even the reality is, mm-hmm. uh, and then they get to Paris, and suddenly it's like, okay, the background can establish so much more for us here than. And then we can work on the character and not need to uh, drive as much of the story. The, you know, when you're when you're making a product, uh, you know, film, TV, whatever, um, it is visual as much as it is story, as much as it is um, audio. And when you have the visuals of Paris, you don't need to expend the efforts in some directions <laughs> where you need to. And you can just have a good character. And you can put a good background on a good character and not have to have a crazy backstory, not to have to have a whole lot. Uh, you know, again, when you look at season one, it's like, oh, yeah, we just showed up at this uh, uh, fashion show. And, oh, that's the guy we're going to kill this week. Uh, you know, like it was they the would give a little bit never made yeah. much sense to me. I can understand the theater who done it mystery. But even then, yeah. there. There was two villains for me that stood out in season four that for completely different reasons that I thought were good was uh, Colonel Simon Killian, the colonel who had his reason for revenge, but uh, mm-hmm. actually captured Duncan. And yeah. if it wasn't, you know, That's for Amanda, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and just t- toying with him and, and and stuff like that. And I thought that was pretty cool. And and um, we were also in that episode two about the deadliest villains. Uh, gave, we gave a shout out to Damon Case and the Immortal Chimoli because he was he wasn't necessarily a villain uh, because he wanted to kill Immortal Chimoli, who was you know a, a young immortal there and just having fun with the mortality. But he was like a by-the-book rules. He, he was all about playing yeah. the game, <laughs> you know. And we we kind of forget the game that all of these immortals are in when you when you have this episodic television. And he was all about the game and and you know the 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 challenge and and the one-on-one and all that type of stuff. And it was interesting because I, I even though he was a villain, he kind of wasn't. And we we debated that, right, Lee? Yeah, uh, he was just a guy that had his motivation, and you know, again, because he was, was a gentleman playing, yeah. when he was like talking, and yeah. you know, but he's like, this is a game. This, you know, he's he's on the list. I'm challenging him. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, Duncan was playing the game, you know, a lot in season one, uh, you know, and he would call people out a lot, you know, pretty much all the time, you know, uh, season two, season three. I'm forgetting the guy that killed. Uh, uh, Maurice's niece Simone uh, but it was uh, you know he's like no you're not running away we're doing this you know he's like yeah this is you know how we do it you know there can be only one good as reason as any boom uh, we have that uh, and it's in that world it's valid uh, and it's kind of cool you know it's uh, when you think about like is it immoral if that's what they're supposed to do yeah you know Kind of like, uh, <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what, what, what are I was you supposed fighting? to do when everyone keeps cheating or overstepping you know, the balance of power? <laughs> yeah. But, like, when I was fighting, you know, I, I fought heavyweight for about 10 years. And the degree to which I would hit people and myself mm. get hit uh, is the kind of thing people would say, oh, that's terrible. And it wasn't, you know, I mean, it, it definitely was inconvenient and definitely hurt. And I still have injuries, but it wasn't mean. And it wasn't, you know, it was what we agreed to do. It was who we were. We, we got into the ring. We, we followed the rules, you know, uh, we did it uh, or we didn't do it on holy ground. You know, it was one-on-one, all that kind of stuff. Um, but by the same token, the same things that I did in the, in the ring that were completely, um, valid and understandable and excusable i can't do that uh you know 
I bounce on the weekends because when you're a giant, you can make a lot of extra money just standing at the door and being scary. When I have to do stuff, I have to be more restrained than I was in the ring. Uh, yeah. Because what I can do to a normal-sized person is unfair. <laughs> exactly. I, it becomes a kind of stage combat where you must make contact but not yeah. non-lethal. <laughs> my, my thing is to embarrass them. If they're embarrassed, <laughs> they don't fight back. I I think... <laughs> I did want to bring up in this topic, since we're talking about Highlander villains, because it was a uh, it, it, it seemed like an obvious choice to fans. But when Lee and I were discussing it, when we were discussing Duncan's de- deadliest villains, it would seem obvious to say the four horsemen, Kronos, Silas, Caspian, obviously being the evil versions before <laughs> uh, before um, Mythos Mythos found his way and decided Mythos? to change his change his ways so this is a good contrast no that's very true but we kind of agreed and and you can uh give your opinion on this on this lead but we felt they were more uh villains for mythos or even uh gray area anti-hero you know because like yeah mythos is even on the villains wicca and it just seems like it's just because of that season three reveal of his war crimes and it's like well yeah they they felt like the rest of his brothers were kind of his burden and uh it was up to duncan to help him fight those those before horsemen yeah i mean obviously obviously chronos is up there because he's you know he's uh the leader of the four horsemen and they're the ultimate villains of the of immortals but uh they always felt like mythos villains to me i don't know lee you still feel the same way about that yeah, and uh, I think I even said this on the episode, but that should have been Mythos and Cassandra fighting at the end um, yeah. uh, against the other two horsemen. It shouldn't have been Duncan. She had probably the most uh, grievance against them. That's a and, great point, yeah. Uh, and I we, we established her as an ancient the, and powerful one, yeah. They were probably bound by the whole, hey, you know, heroes got to have a fight scene at the end, even though yeah. I say it would be. Yeah, Cassandra make... should have been in there kicking some butt, though. Lee's yeah. right, yeah. Because they did have at one point three bad guys versus three good guys. You know, she could have taken down Caspian. uh, And, you know, that would have left. uh, (laughs) Yep. And she makes her clothes look damn good. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, underrated B5 actress, but that's just me. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I kind of like the villain in that one off episode where no one from the main cast appeared. It's okay as its own turns, but it kind of pisses you off when you realize that was the original one. Oh, the two of hearts. The, yeah, they got uh, Claudia Christian. Also yep, another Babylon 5. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those was like, well, the villain was cool, but you could have at least let us in or at least had Duncan or Methos appear at the starts because otherwise, you know, for a while we were wondering what's going on (laughs) season six was an interesting season it was like the audition season you know it was winding down uh, (laughs) yeah it it got it got interesting (laughs) well and and duncan was dressed like he's on vacation the entire time yeah (laughs) they kind of do when uh especially when dawson and methos have their own one-off you know two-part yeah finale but yeah that was a that was a great episode the 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 mythos and uh I uh, just no, Joshua, wouldn't yeah. give anything in the role for that. And those villains, especially that are working with uh, some of the other guys, this is like, it, it, after a while, you can't keep up, but unless you rewatch it 500 more times, but at the same time, it's just like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> these guys are using machine guns. It's just not even fair. <laughs> yeah. And, and if, I think, uh, what if the... Joe dies and then you shoot Mythos, he won't be able to get up in time to respawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the missed thing on that was not just doubling down on Amanda and establishing her in like a, a backdoor pilot season. Uh, Cause yeah. she really was, uh, I mean, she was already in the credits at that point. Um, I know that she had some scheduling conflicts that was why they went to other sources mm-hmm. first, but um, they didn't do a good season. They didn't do a good half season uh, really. Um, you know, I, I think it says a lot when none of our, uh, the top 10 list of, uh, uh, bad guys that uh, Kevin and I were talking about on the show uh, when we did this uh, came from season six. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We didn't include Araman or the rest of them, whoever they were. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell the difference after a while. Yeah. Right. Um, but the, uh, uh, the way that it kind of played out, we just kind of lost what was a really good idea. And we, and 
the way that they could have wrote uh, Amanda out of the show, the way that, you know, later on they would write Angel out of Buffy. Uh, that allowed <laughs> yeah. the show to have some wings. Oh, hell, if we're going to go there, let's talk about, uh, what, uh, what's her name? Uh, Chris McCarmenter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I was... Was like, uh, why were you fired? Oh, because of this yeah. and that. But at the time, we only knew this and that. We didn't. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to lay this there, but <laughs> I just mean it's interesting how it, it just affects production to where half the time you really can't blame directors or writers who are just trying to get, make the episode just look fucking cool for yeah. uh, the editors to modify. <laughs> well, and having worked on that side of it, it's um, you never know what the never. final product is going to be. And you never know uh, when you're shooting it, you know, when you're the actor or the stunt guy, um, you have to trust that the cameraman is doing uh, the right job. You have to frame trust, you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you have to trust that the editor knows what they're looking. We'll return after these messages. Hello, and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games, and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing? Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now? Well, uh, yeah. Dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, for instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. J no, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece. Mm, nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga, right, guys? That comment is so ridiculous. I don't even know where to. Anyways, uh, that'll do it from all of us here at Culture Shock. Thanks for listening. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Yeah, I had um, a fight scene that I did last year for a, a festival that was one of the most intricate and best choreographed things that I've ever done. The editor just chose the weirdest takes. Um, it looked like we were walking through and just kind of uh, like literally he would, there was two times in the, in the final product where you can hear somebody say cut and you see both of us kind of get out of character and just relax for a second. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> just amazing though, too, how, and then when you want to even get like a deleted scene, that's better Then you know, it's likely already in the trash or not properly remastered. So it's like, mm -hmm. well, I'll take it as long as there's no time code. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a time code and that's the only quote take. Well, uh, I better send an editor to remaster this since you guys don't care about our careers. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, even, um, I ju just told Kevin the other day, I just ended up on the History Channel for the first time, ah. and I filmed for three hours for what was ultimately about three minutes worth of uh, time on screen. 
uh, which was kind of crazy because they brought me in as an expert. Uh, they had this completely other subplot uh, and ends up being uh, something else. So, uh, you know, I mean, I still uh, got to be on TV. And uh, since I don't murder or get killed in this one, all my nieces and nephews got to watch it. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, kind of a an interesting uh, experience. And you just never know what's actually going to make it to screen. Oh, totally. You don't even know if someone's going to recut it a different way down the road. <laughs> you know, X amount of residuals for this. It's, it's just insane. <laughs> Uh, so really digging the tags guys obviously you know there's plenty of other supporting villains that are fun too and like you say you guys are doing excellent job just reminding everyone of the fandom all of all the various annual events of this ongoing cult fandom and why do you think everyone kind of just plays down every once in a while how you know there's clearly a lot of fans out there but they're not always like the first you often got to go through dozens of Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones fans these days, you know, maybe Vikings fans before you actually get to the Highlander corner at a convention. <laughs> you, you know, one of the things that I've noticed about Highlander fans is that even though we are a smaller subgroup of like a lot of the major fandoms out there, Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, you know, Marvel, DC, we're a passionate group and we're tight knit too and we're very very protective of our uh our fandom and we know the many many flaws that it has uh a lot of them we accept and some of them we don't um and it's interesting too because you know with highlander fans even though it's out there we may not expect whether we like it or not and if we don't we don't always will accept it as Highlander canon, even though it might be. Yeah. You know, and that's okay, you know, and, and we all know where Highlander has fallen short. And we we've, you know, and, and I we do think, podcast episodes about it. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and you know, when it comes to any and we notice it's been a lot of pushback on this supposed Highlander reboot that Chad Stelheski, uh the director of the John Wick films, is uh uh supposed to be helming. There's a lot of pushback on this because a lot of people say, and, you know, I think it's kind of a lazy excuse uh, that, you know, they shouldn't do it. Highlander, there can be only one. They always throw the that out there that, you know, the original Highlander should stand on oh, its own. Man. I remember this one cult website back in the day that would talk about how, oh, I've watched all the Highlander movies and like Phantasm, they don't make any sense to me. But I love them. And I always yeah, yeah, you know, that it, away because I was like... My, did you watch the same movie as the rest of us watched? <laughs> yeah, well, my my argument is, and and a lot of this has to do with the television series as well, is that I think that Highlander has a rich mythology that still can be that that uh, a creative team can still dive into and come out with something unique uh, with you know still the Highlander world as a guideline and so I am I'm always open I've been open to this this uh, reboot because I kind of want to see in someone who has been creative like Chad Stelhesky especially with his work in action and, and fight choreography I would love to see a really good Highlander movie with a, attention to that type of detail and I know Lee feels the same about that yeah. but you know it's we're we're very protective of the Highlander um, world as fans, and we'll go to fight for it. We'll battle for it. We'll we'll argue over it. You know, and I know that <laughs> sound, I know that sounds familiar with other fandoms, but the cool thing about it is that I've forged a lot of really good friendships through this this fandom, and a lot of it has to do with not just They're out there. Yeah, not There's just interacting on social media but a lot of these highlander conventions i've been lucky enough to go to and, and meet these people and uh I, I i treasure those relationships and many of them lee and i've had on as guests as well uh well i don't know I, lee i didn't want to speak for you but how this highlander fandom is a little bit different than others yeah well i think the um the weird way that it is is in our world and not is kind of the first part because uh, it, it, you know, it could take place, you know, down the street from where I am at right now. <clears throat> uh, it doesn't, other than the immortals existing, it doesn't require an arc reactor or warp speed or anything crazy like that. Um, it literally just requires somebody to be older than we expect. Um, yes. And it, in that, it allows for um, 
the entirety of the human experience to be the plot line. I mean, we go. go back to, you know, the, you know, experience. the Bronze Age, you know, uh, you know, we we reference uh, Egypt a couple of times, uh, you know, so there's yes. things can come and you can have all these different perspectives and you can change the game. Um, and I think that there is something in that um, that makes it open to more people. Um, yeah. You know, the galaxy far, far away is for everybody. You know, uh, <laughs> Marvel is, you know, what it is. Uh, but this Until is... Until people stop coming, you know. <laughs> yeah, which probably isn't going to happen anytime soon. Even when they complain about it, the movies make a ton of money. Uh, but the yeah. uh, the other thing that I think um, is interesting is the way that it's um, unknown but influential. It's almost... Um, it feels like, uh, and it actually is something that Quentin Tarantino has referenced. <laughs> you know, it's those kind of movies that the movie people know. Um, and it's not just sci-fi that uh, people that really like it. it. You don't have to be the sci-fi uh, nerd like Kevin and I are. It, you can just be a straight-up movie nerd and recognize uh, the the quality of the camera work in the first one. Uh, you know, there are references to uh, a couple scenes um in kill bill volume one you yes. know when they have the big blue black backdrop you know that's like okay yeah we're going highlander here uh you know the the way that russell mckay kind of changed the way that we shoot a lot of action movies um you know the different perspectives all sorts of stuff you see that the way the uh you know i mean just think about the soundtrack what that meant uh you know the way you can't the, have it without it <laughs> it yeah. doesn't work well, and like the transitions, the way that, you know, just completely uh, changing cuts. You don't even know how many of the favorite people's favorite movies were influenced by that. So it's sort oh, of yeah, like that. Blade, especially just so many oh, different yeah. movies just back and forth. And you're just like, but again, this took 400 takes, you know, of everything, you know, just to make it all seamlessly look like it's the same day, same time. Everyone's boxing and fighting yeah. and you know, running. What one of the biggest things too about Highlander that makes it so appealing to the fans is, and Lee touched on this, is the connection to real history. Yes. And like Lee said, you feel like this could be happening right now. You know, this could be an underworld uh, <laughs> of, of beings that have been around for so long, and that when you have the movie or the t the movies or the TV series, and the flashbacks are such an iconic. Uh, I don't want to say trope for Highlander, but it's because it's one of those things that Highlander really kind of fine tuned. I mean, yeah, you've seen uh, going back in time movies, but I think Highlander has really touched on creating the parallels of what's happening to these yes. characters in, in current day mm -hmm. to what's mm -hmm. happening in and around historic moments with historic people. And the TV series really got into that. And it was kind we, of quantum leap 2.0. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being history fan myself, as well as Lee, big history nerds, we love the fact that they can um, wrap these characters around these moments that we've learned in school and going, wow, this is a different take on this. And actually, this, film somewhere near where a Victorian era castle yeah, might have yeah, been, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. a London type IRA meeting might have been, or even just like you say, just a cool backstory of how everyone plays this supernatural interface instead of like you say, well, he's here because he's the chosen one. No, it's a little more than that. <laughs> well, and I also think uh, you know, as much as I love talking about the Paris sets. Uh, what the this show and a few others at that time did for, um, you know, the Vancouver uh, film and TV market mm -hmm. that later led to a lot of the stuff we love. I mean, the Arrowverse so has filmed in so many locations that we've seen. Um, Stargate, of course. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, play Stargate guys. The uh, there's a, a monastery set that they had in season three uh, during the Callus cycle that kept getting used throughout all of the stargate shows as like uh you know oh yes this is some medieval planet where everyone's scottish uh so yes this is and they, you just see it but like uh, as part of a film community myself like uh you kind of grow this market and you grow the the resources and you know i mean yeah. uh i mean the other thing, you know, getting back to the the fandom, is the connection that our fandom is allowed to have with the people that made it. Mm, good point. Um, 
you know, for, you know, a few hundred bucks, anyone can go and train with Adria. Uh, you know, we've talked with Steve Gagan. We've talked with Gillian Horvath. We've talked with uh, Edwin Atkins, uh, just a ton of people. Uh, Bron McCash. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can talk to these guys, you know, I'm not going to get an interview with Mark Hamill anytime soon. I don't think Sir Patrick is, uh, you know, going to respond to my emails, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I've had three conversations with Adrian, Adrian Paul. I, I've talked to, you know, Amanda, you know, I mean, I've talked to Elizabeth Grayson. Not only is she the star of this TV show or one of the stars of this TV show and star of her own, she's a former Miss America. You know, like, yeah, who would have guessed <laughs> the access that fans have to our stars is really unheard of. Yeah, uh, it's created this wonderful friendship with these people, you know, uh, meeting, um, you know, all of these wonderful actors and how passionate they were about it. They show it in kind. And I just want to give a shout out to my friend, Jonathan Melville. Uh, he's from Edinburgh, Scotland. He wrote the definitive uh, making of the original Highlander. Yes. And he went, he went in full, full interview with all the main people uh, with the exception, <laughs> of course, uh, Mr. Connery, because he wasn't available, obviously, but uh, <laughs> everyone else. And, but when Lee and I were talking to him about this book, um, and how wonderful these people were to uh, share their stories with him. He got some of the most interesting stories from the people that were behind the camera. And mm -hmm. these are the people that we've reached out to on Blood of Kings uh, and have been wonderful and uh, uh, willing to, to, to come forward and, and to share their stories. Like the director of photography, which is my favorite story in the book, the director of photography got the phone call uh, like, hey, you want to do this movie? And he's like, yeah, sure. Uh, while he was sailing, he gets off uh, the boat uh, somewhere down in Florida, just gives the boat to his friend. He's like, I got to go make a movie. <laughs> like, this is the kind of stuff, you know. And then uh, as soon as they were done, uh, I think they did the I'm Still Standing video with um, uh, Elton John, like right after that. Like it was or like right before or right after. But like the insanity, um, Hugh Quarshi, who plays... Uh, my brain just went empty. Uh, Casting gear. Casting gear. Um, he was uh, watching Live Aid uh, with Oprah Winfrey and uh, Steven Spielberg while this was filming. <laughs> oh, you wow. know, like the level of, you know, who else is going to get that story? Right. <laughs> Not right here, right now. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> right. But now it's there and it's out there. And it does make you wonder if even, I mean, I've asked people this before and never really got a complete answer on it. I don't know if there is really an answer to it. It's interesting how uh, half the time when these books have all this trivia, they end up being reposted on like IMDb or whatever. And like, and you care to actually cite that or encourage people to, you know, read the book where you got all this info from, you know, because yeah. you don't want to. As a historian, I always up. like to cite my sources. So, right. and and everyone should go and read John's book. It is amazing. So and John Mosby's book, uh. Uh, and a shout and a sh yeah John Mosby uh, who wrote uh, the original one here. Let me uh, bring that out here. Got to give John a, a shot here. Fearful Symmetry: The Essential Guide to All Things Highlander. And yes, this is one of the common signed ones, as he likes to joke. Uh, but this was our Bible right here. Uh, and then um, big ass Bible. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and he covered all the movies, TV series. Uh, the comics, the audiobooks. I mean, he went all into this. And then of course, John, uh, Jonathan Melville did, did the book itself. And, and also too, Jonathan Melville for, if you guys have the new Highlander 4k edition, he actually did one of the, um, commentaries. audio commentaries and he gets into a lot of the stuff you mentioned in the book, but there's some stuff in there that he did not mention in the book. And it is, if you are a trivia nerd, when it comes to Highlander or any movies and behind the scenes, make sure you check out that audio commentary on the new highlander 4k edition mm -hmm. with jonathan melville it is fantastic sweet can't remember if i no actually i haven't gotten it yet actually <laughs> i i need to though it's on amazon i think there's a a, a paperback now too so make sure you check it out yeah <laughs> sweet 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 um any other things you want to plug before we go 
Uh, yeah, check us out, Blood of Kings, uh, our Highlander podcast. It's on the Fandom Podcast Network. The Fandom Podcast Network is on all of our social medias. It's on YouTube. Check it out. And we have many podcasts that are under the Fandom Podcast Network umbrella. And one of those shows, of course, is the Blood of Kings Highlander podcast. You can yep. search uh, YouTube for Blood of Kings Highlander podcast. We've been doing all of our videos uh um on e uh, putting them up on um youtube you can also go to uh fpnet.podbean.com for the audio podcast but we also if you're a highlander fan come by and check out our facebook group the blood of kings highlander fandom group uh we have a lot of fun and awesome uh um guests there a lot of the stars from the highlander tv series and behind the scenes or a couple of the directors as well are also members of that group and we'd love it when they we love it when they chime in and, and talk about stuff it's great uh, my name is kevin i am on uh, twitter and instagram at spartan underscore phoenix big lee how can we find you man you don't find me i find you oh <laughs> good question good answer. Uh, you can find me uh same places that kevin just mentioned uh i'm all over uh facebook uh, under my name i also have um the way of the way on instagram um that's my documentary company um double mm. action martial arts uh madman road a uh, bunch of other stuff uh and um i'd also like to plug um independent film festivals um i do a mm. lot of them um, it's where a lot of the people that eventually get to do all the cool stuff that you see, um, kind of hone their crafts. Uh, I was just nominated, um, three times for two different awards in a local film festival. Uh, this will make, uh, if I win one of them, that'll make, uh, the seventh. And if I win both, that'll make, uh, eighth awards I've won for Badass. fighting, acting and, um, stuff. And the three movies that I was in, in this festival, are all chosen for top 10. So uh, I've already, I guess I technically have already won those three. So yeah, I got to change my numbers. <laughs> Lee is the real deal. Absolutely. Sometimes I just play one in movies. <laughs> okay, very nice. Uh, how about yourself, Kev? Uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook uh, under my name, Kevin Reitzel. And of course, um, uh, at Spartan underscore Phoenix on uh on Twitter and Instagram. I did want to mention if uh, we did talk about Star Trek and Star Wars, uh, we've got um, Star Trek and Star Wars podcast under our Fandom Podcast Network umbrella. We've got a Marvel podcast as well, Doctor Who. Uh, we got mm -hmm. several, and, and a couple of our favorites. We got Catch Potato Theater, where we celebrate our favorite movies. Uh, we've had Leon for the several Heavy Metal One show is fun. Uh, there's, yeah, uh, you guys Mullet, do all kinds our of crazy other Australian fun. friend just doing mm -hmm. whatever he does yeah lethal mullet uh lethal mullet. adam does our uh, action movie uh podcast i got uh hair metal podcast as well and we do time warp where we look back on yes. entire year of movies and we split those up and talk about the pop culture in between those movies and right now we're talking about 1983 because that is 40 years ago and everything that happened in 1983 are celebrating their 40th anniversary <sighs> how did we get here <laughs> <laughs> i know right <laughs> Oh man. So you guys are kicking ass. Uh, keep educating people on this, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's a, it's a Highlanders, a fun fandom and we're proud to do it. And, uh, it's a, uh, it's a neat little, uh, part of our lives that we love to dive back into and, uh, and do podcasts about. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's fun. You know, like I said, I lived in the places where they filmed it. So it's fun to go back and see, <laughs> uh all these you know little memories and then also having been that kid that dreamed of going places yes. i can watch it and remember you know who it was i wanted to be and you know not to brag too much but i am making movies i did live in paris i did you know <laughs> fight i did you know learn languages i i got to do some of the things that i dreamed of being as a kid so and go. if anyone ever wants to travel to Scotland to visit Highlander locations, hit me up. I've been there personally, and uh, it is quite a wonderful way to explore Scotland because uh, uh, there's some scenes that were filmed in and around London as well. But when you get up to the Highlands, there's some beautiful locations up there. Hit me up. <laughs> Do it, guys. Do it. <laughs> Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a